trying to get Jake back again. He said, Jake, 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 come on. You're there, Jake. Come on, wake up, wake up. He was just not responsive. He was um, turning blue, had his eyes closed and his eyelids were blue. Two two, have you responded to one? Were you that lady unconscious? Topic approach 1320. Hi, I'm Landon Mitchell from the Royal Flying Doctor Service and this is a podcast series about mateship, about life in the bush and about the role that the Royal Flying Doctor Service plays in servicing rural communities. This is the Flying Doctor Podcast. They took artery or something from his neck and just done bypass surgery, so they created a new left coronary. Simply, they were like, oh, it was easy to just get an artery, join it up, happy days. There are very few parents who've not spent a Saturday or Sunday alongside a sports field watching their kids battle it out. Whether that is footy, netball, hockey, soccer, athletics or any of a myriad of other sports activities open to kids these days. It doesn't matter whether it's freezing cold, boiling hot, raining, parents and their kids are out there in numbers. Sport and physical activity is vital to the health and well-being of kids and adults actually. Not only does team sport teach kids important hand-eye coordination, build physical strength and learn to work within a team to achieve a common goal, it also works wonders for those developing hormones that need an outlet. Josh was with his son, Jake, just last year at the Martins Oval in Bundaberg, Queensland, as the Begara soccer team competed with another local team. But the day didn't go as planned. G'day, Josh. Hey, how you going? I'm good. Before we get into the story of what happened at Martin's Oval, can you tell me a little bit about your family life there in Bundaberg? I um, used to work for a transport company. I'm currently unemployed, being made redundant. My wife is a uh, teacher aide at Bagara State School and we have uh, five children, all who attend either high school or primary school. Oh, that's a real tribe. That's wonderful. How long have you and Winita been married? Uh, we've been married for 16 years this year, in March just gone. Fantastic. So how old is your oldest and how young is your youngest? Uh, so Jai, our oldest, he's just turned 16 in July. And then our youngest, Lily, uh, she uh, was... Eight in February, just gone. So, yeah, all about two years apart. Now, this story, this interview is is really about one of your sons named Jake. Yeah. How old is he at the moment? Uh, he's 10 now. Last year or the year before, a couple of years ago, Jake was playing um, at the local soccer club. What do you remember about that day and how it started? Well, it started off as a normal day with, you know, he, he filled in for one of the other under nines teams. Um, I was being nine back then. Yeah, the other two kids, uh, Lily and Daniel, all played that day as well. And then it started raining really, really, really heavily. And um, the coach was going to call the game off and we were actually going to leave and say, oh, look, he's, you know, we're done. We're, we've had enough. We're cold, wet, tired. So we're, we're not going to play the last game. And his coach said to me, oh, you know, everyone's already here, so might as well, you know, they're all ready to go, so come on and play. A bit of a blessing in disguise, um, not knowing 
you know, the future, obviously. So, yeah, it was pouring rain <laughs> and he had uh, he played his last game of, of football um, for the day and, yeah, then all of a sudden the uh, events unfolded from there. So, Was it halfway through the game or at the end of the game when he started to feel a bit tired? At what point did he get subbed off? It's about 10 minutes left of the game, I think, and then he just said to his coach that, He's not feeling very well. He's feeling very tired. And his coach said to him, said, okay, I'll come off and have a sit down and just have a rest. What happened then? Well, he, he sat down and then sort of just slumped onto the ground. And we're watching from, from the grandstand and we just thought he was just, you know, buggered. You know, you, when you, your kids are tired, they just, you know, flump on the ground and just get buggered. Um, right. And that's what we thought. But then... You know, partway into, like after it, his coach was looking at him and he wasn't, he was, there was just no expression on his face or anything. So his, his coach has run over to him and, you know, trying to, to get his attention and then called over to me and I raced over and he was just not responsive. He was um, turning blue, had his eyes closed and his eyelids were, were blue. Um, and he was really just very, very, very struggling to breathe, um, almost to a point where he, he wasn't breathing. It was, you know, like very extremely laboured breathing. Was he conscious? Yes, he was conscious to start with and then he he lost it. He, he went. Um, he went out and... I started panicking because I just didn't know what the heck was going on. So you're there with a child and... The, and, and- and Jake is, you know, blue and and having troubled breathing. What what did you do? What did the coach do? Like, what was was did the game was the game just continuing at that point, or was it suddenly oh we've got an emergency? To start with, the game continued on, and um, so yeah, the kids just enjoy and keep continue playing and and things like that, um, which didn't really matter with the coach being focused on on Jake because you know there was other coaches there. That, um, to, to, to take the, the game. But really it was just we were there and we are just trying to, to get him to respond. We're just, you know, saying, Jake, wake up, Jake, wake up, because he just wasn't responsive. And then Dr. Reed from um, – he was from our team, his his son, um, Rakan, he plays on Jake's team, and he's come running over and he's, he's assessed the situation and he's – you know, saying, oh, you're trying to get Jake back again. He said, Jake, 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 come on, you're there, Jake. Come on, wake up, wake up. Looking back at it now, you think about it and, you know, it's, it is it is more of a, um, you know, a, a bit of a blur, but you get little snippets um, of it where, you know, you just think, oh, okay, yep, that happened, that happened. But the way it unfolded was nothing short of a miracle in my opinion. Um, you know, we had three nurses off-duty nurses watching the game, their parents, so their kids were playing, so they're the parents of kids who were playing. How lucky is that? Off-duty doctor from the base hospital in Bundaberg here. Wow. A good friend of the family, um, Matt Hedges, he's a, he was an off-duty police officer, so he was on the phone to triple zero, you know, saying the urgency of the situation. Wow. You've got an off-duty doctor. Yeah. 
two or three off-duty nurses and an yeah. off-duty policeman, all parents of the kids on the soccer field who were there and Jake is blue and having str- having trouble breathing. Did his um, breathing actually stop at some point there or did his heart stop at some point there? Um, his breathing did stop. Um, unsure about his heart stopping. The, the paramedic said that it did um, and... Dr. Reed got Jake back breathing and then the, the ambulance turned up all the while. I'm on the phone to Juanita, my wife, because she was at home, um, you know, and she's panicking as much as I am. Um, so, and then going forward from there, um, you know, another ambulance turned up. They put the heart monitor on him and ECG and stuff like that and, Bundled him in an ambulance, and um, you know we were, we were we were driving to the hospital. So we we're very blessed in the fact that it happened where it did because it was so close to the hospital. Right. Did you go in the ambulance um, with Jake? Yeah, I had to sit in the front seat um, because they had to have the um, paramedics in the in the back. Was he conscious at that point, or no longer um, aware of what was going on? I believe he was in and out of consciousness. He was mostly conscious, um, but I think he'd slip in and in and out just a just a little bit. Not um, not a great deal, not all the time, but just you know once or twice there on the on the trip to to hospital. Had Jake had any kind of sort of long term chronic illness or anything that you'd known of prior to this? He's just a healthy nine year old. Is that right? Yeah, no, we didn't know anything about it. You know, looking back now, there was indications. Thinking about it, obviously, we were at um, my brother's place because he's, he's heavily into motorbikes and, and jumping and dirt bikes and stuff like that. Um, we'd come home, we'd be driving home on the, the Sunday and he'd be asleep the whole trip home, you know, and he's right. just so tired, constantly tired um, after a lot of, lot of exercise and stuff like that. But that we didn't have no idea what was going on. Um, yeah. yeah, at the time, and had no idea there was any underlying issues at all. So you're in the ambulance. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you get to Bundaberg Hospital, and you're whisked into the emergency department, I presume. Mm-hmm. And what happens then? What are you told? weren't told much, really. They were just surrounded by. I think there was probably about five or six doctors in the in the room with him, and they're just you know hooked up to monitors and 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 everything, and just trying to determine what had happened because when they put the ECG monitor on him in the ambulance, it was a regular rhythm or something Something was wrong with the ECG, so that's why they rushed us to hospital. And then when we were back in the emergency department, all the ECGs were perfectly fine. There was, there was no nothing wrong with them at all. Um, the only thing that was triggering was the blood test that they were taking was showing that the enzymes that were leaking into his blood, the troponin, I think they were calling it, is was kept on climbing. And, yeah, by the time we got to Brisbane, they reckon it peaked at uh, 24,500, I don't know, milligrams or I have no idea what. Right. <laughs> 24,500 is a massive heart attack, they reckon. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. So could, did they have any explanation for how a nine-year-old could have had a heart attack and why? Did they or or was it just a mystery to everybody? No. Not in Bundaberg, no. They're just trying to determine what had happened um, and, you know, obviously conferring with each other and 
you know, this, 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 or it could be this, could be this, um, you know, infection related or, or, you know, could be anything. And then there was a couple of them saying, well, he seems fine now, so let's, you know, he, we can just monitor him and then discharge him. <laughs> and <not>. then <laughs> one of the head head doctors there, she um, she actually forced, not forced, but he really pushed um, for Jake to go to Brisbane. They said, look, there's some underlying problems here. He needs to go ASAP. So, okay, wow. So, so, so she says, all right, that's it, he's got to go. So yeah. how long did it take to, I presume it was a fairly swift thing or at what point did the Royal Flying Doctor Service show up? It was only a few hours because of the, the nature of it. I was actually, I, I was unaware at the time, but the nature of it, they were, really concerned. So the RFDS had to fly to Brisbane, pick up a cardiac specialist, fly back to Bundy, prep everything for the trip down, and then we were out to the to the um, RFDS wow. base and getting put on the airplane. So, Wow, I bet you didn't see yourself doing that when you got up that morning. <laughs> No, I didn't. No. no, not at all. Not at all. I thought myself. I thought I'm going to watch football for 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 a day and then go home and enjoy a nice scotch. But nope. wasn't to be. <laughs> so there you are on an RFDS plane with your nine year old son who suffered a severe heart attack. Um, mm. Had you ever been on an RFDS plane before? No, never, never. For takeoff, I was allowed to sit next to Jake just to, to comfort him because he's very scared and, and worried. But then after takeoff and we were in the air, we had to go to the to the back of the plane, which it wasn't, it was only you know, a couple of metres away from him. But um, they had the, the, the second bed there that I was laying down on. Not much room in, in the plane, but there's a lot of medical equipment so you can understand exactly why there's not much room in the plane. So. Yeah. Tell, tell me about Jake. How was he travelling? You said he was really scared at that point and you were reassuring him. How was, what was he saying? He, he didn't really know to understand of, of, of what's happening and obviously it's all just, just bundled up and, and swift off really quickly. So he was more um, just scared in the fact that, yeah, he, he wanted um, Winita to come down as well, but obviously Winita had to, to stay home with, with the kids and, and things like that. But he was just upset that mum wasn't <laughs> mum wasn't with him, so and just trying to reassure him of that. So it's going to be okay, you know. As I mentioned earlier, this podcast has been made possible with the support of Isuzu Ute Australia. Having reliable vehicles is imperative in the harsh Australian outback and Isuzu have provided D-Max Utes and MUX SUVs to pull seven large RFDS flight simulators as they engage in school, community and field day activities for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. These simulators are full-size planes minus the wings and the Isuzu D-Max and MUX vehicles are a perfect match for the long-distance heavy towing demands of these RFDS simulators right across Australia. So keep an eye out for them as they travel around each state and we would love to see photos and locations on our Flying Doctor podcast community Facebook page when you see them. So you arrive in Brisbane and 
What happens at that point? Um, we were on the tarmac for uh, probably about 20 minutes, half an hour, just because I had obviously a busy night in, in, in Brisbane, so we were waiting for an ambulance. And, yeah, they, they diverted one and, and, and got to us as quick as they could. I had to sit up front again and we went to the um, Lady Salento Children's Hospital. Uh, we were in the emergency room there as well so and they had a couple of doctors there and and nurses and monitoring and asking questions and yeah it was all very very surreal it just started sinking in it's just oh hang on well you know we're in Brisbane now and then you know we've got all this happening and still hooked up to all these monitors. At what point did you learn that he needed to have heart bypass surgery? After we were um, in the emergency department that's when they, they'd done another blood test and they said, oh, you know, troponin levels were um, skyrocketing um, and they peaked at where they did. From there, they they done ultrasounds and, and stuff like that and they thought they determined what the problem was, but they needed to do uh, angiogram to be sure. So they um, done that and I think they put some dye in him as well and they found that, yeah, he was born without his left coronary artery. Wow. It just wasn't there. It didn't form. So it just, so from from the day he was born, he was missing an artery. Yeah. Yeah, So his heart was pumping in through the right hand side and then bypassing it somewhere and just keep on going. So, and then on that day, his heart finally said, No, I've had enough. I'm done. No wonder he was feeling tired. Holy moly. Yeah. They, and that's what they said. They said it was. You know, it was it was inevitable. It, it wasn't a matter of, you know, if it was just it was always going to be when is it going to happen. So we just said we're just blessed that it happened so close to the hospital and so many people were around that, you know, helped yeah. out. So Okay, so he goes in for surgery mm. and how do they solve the problem of the fact that he's missing an artery to his heart? What do they do to fix that? They said to us they took um artery or something from his neck and just done bypass surgery. So they, they created a new left coronary um, for him. Simply, they, <laughs> oh, it was easy to just, you know, get an artery, join it up, happy days. <laughs> I'm glad you think it's uh, it's that easy because I wouldn't have a clue where to start. <laughs> oh, but isn't it amazing that they can, they oh, can it's phenomenal. do phenomenal. something like that for a young boy who's got his whole life ahead of him? Oh, yes, yeah, just agree, agree. You know, amazing. And they were fantastic there, like, you know, post op, recovery, pre op, everything. Everything just worked out perfectly, you know, and, and the people, the doctors and nurses at Lady Salento were phenomenal. You know, RFDS were phenomenal, base hospital, you know, they were they were phenomenal and little friends and family around us were just, you know, everything everything played a part that it was just, no, this, this boy's going to live. and Yeah. Yeah. So was he in hospital in recovery for a long time? Yeah, I think he was in in recovery or post-op recovery for about 10 hours or something like that and then they moved him back up to the ward and, yeah, they were absolutely phenomenal back up there after his surgery and trying to get him up and moving and, um, physio and, and stuff like that, just trying to make sure everything's all good and, yeah. I understand that during recovery, Jake 
had to try to take it easy and not move around a lot and not get his heart going. But as a nine-year-old, that's asking a lot. I mean, nine-year-olds generally, <laughs> it's pretty hard to keep them still. And and I've, I myself have two boys and I have learned from experience that boys just have to move. So how did, how did Jake <laughs> tackle several months in hospital trying to not be moving around too much? Mm. Um, oh, the good thing, it was only a couple of weeks um, to I think about a month or so that he was he was in hospital. He understood, you know, everything after after all the surgery and, and stuff like that. And the only thing he was really more bummed out about was he wanted to ride motorbikes again and, and stuff like that. And they're saying, no, you can't yet, you can't yet. But actually before he had his surgery, um, he had the the little wireless heart monitor on him and it would relay back to the nurse's station every time his heart rate got up, they would go and find him and say, calm down. Um, so funny story, he was obviously a typical nine-year-old boy, you know, stuck in a hospital. But this is before his surgery, bored, asked if he can go for a walk and they said no. They said, can I hop in a wheelchair and mum pushed me around? And they said, yes. Um, and then with with our boy, you give him a set of wheels and he'll find a way to go fast. So he was uh, tearing around the ward and he had the nurses come and see him uh, a few times saying, stop, <laughs> calm down. You, you, <laughs> we're getting a notification. You, you, your heart rate's getting too high, mate. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, any anything with wheels, this guy or this kid will just go crazy with. So after the surgery, it was more so a fact that you know he he understood. Yep, I I need to recover from this and um, do what they say. And <laughs> yeah, how is he today? How how is Jake doing? Ah, uh, he's doing fine. You know, if I mean he had he had open heart surgery, so he's got the 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 zipper the zipper scar and actually had to, to break his sternum and, like, spread it apart. Ten weeks later, he was out at the motocross track jumping his dirt bike. <laughs> he's tougher than me, this kid, I tell you what. Yeah, he sounds wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Now, the day that Jake collapsed on that soccer field with heart failure was coincident with a day three years earlier when something occurred with your dad. Could you tell me about that? Yeah, so... We, my dad was up in hospital on, um, uh, I guess, uh, start of August. He went into hospital. Um, you know, 2013, he had bypass surgery, um, on his, uh, for his heart. And he went into hospital in 2017. And they said, Oh, look, I'm very sorry to tell you, but the, the, the valve that we replaced is, is closing. Um, you know, we, we can't operate. He had leukaemia, so he said, we, we can't operate because your platelet levels are too low. Um, and, yeah, so he goes, well, you know, what, what's that mean? It's just, you know, basically just a waiting game. Um, and then, yeah, the, the – um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. The morning of um, – of the eighth, we get we got a phone call at um, about half past six, saying that um, Dad had a uh, a massive heart attack and they couldn't revive him. 
um, up at the base, Bundy Base Hospital there. So, you know, that was, um, yeah, 8th of August 2017, um, you know, that, that we got that news. Um, so, you know, to me, you know, he, he was, he was everything to me, um, you know, one of my heroes. He, he, he really was. We just try and continue on and, and, you know, try and build that same relationship with my children, um, that I had, had with my father. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's bizarre that, um, Jake's collapse happened on that exact same day of the year, three years later. Um, and I guess it's a reminder of how heart health is so important, but, I don't know. I mm. I suspect your dad was looking over him and making sure that everything came out okay. Yeah, my my whole family. We um, you know, we 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 do believe that as well. We um, you know, family believe that he was standing there and he said, "Sorry, mate, not yet. <laughs> you're getting back there, pal. You you you're not coming here yet." So yeah, you've got a lot more motorbike riding to do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So. You know, and um, we 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 hold comfort in the fact of that. You know that um, the best best scenario played out for the worst situation. Yeah, but it's resulted in Jake living, which is just incredible, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. That's been been. <laughs> he's he's just one of those kids. You know, he just he just he loves loves anything to do with you know, you know excitement and and stuff like that. Like the last four years with him. And with my family, it's just been <laughs> a big roller coaster. Obviously, you know, Dad went in 2017. Um, so around that middle of the year really isn't very good for us. <laughs> um, you know, obviously in August 2017 and then 2018 in July, I was down in Sydney at my brother's wedding and I got a phone call was at the, re- the wedding reception and, got a phone call from Juanita saying Jake's fallen off the monkey bars and he's snapped his forearm, both bones, straight through. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's night time, but I'm in Sydney. There's nothing I could do. I'm so sorry. Oh, um, gruesome. You know, there was no plane back to Bundy, so I just, I just, just sit tight and go back the next day. Um, so that was 20, 2018. Yeah. And then uh, 2019 in uh, August, he decided to do, Jake, same child, decided to do a, a, a front flip off the trampoline onto <laughs> some mattresses that they'd laid out and landed on his head and fractured his C1. Oh. So he was immobilised for three days in um, Bundy Hospital, Bundaberg Hospital, um, MRI and stuff like that. And actually they were contemplating whether to send him to Brisbane um, for that as well. Wow, um, but they're pretty pretty happy that the, the the fracture was only partial. They only went through half the halfway through the vertebrae. Yeah. So you know you had a neck brace on for six to eight weeks or something from there. That was 2019, and then you know 2020 we had he had his heart attack and um, right. You know then come 2021, um, my stepfather who's been a part of my life for. 20, 22 years, um, he went, he had um, brain tumours and it was about four days before him and my mum were due to get married, um, he passed away. So, 
Yeah, the last four years have been very challenging for my family. <laughs> they have been. But, you know, I I do have to say, though, Josh, that I reckon you have a super boy. So Jake is not just a regular kid. Mm. He's, yeah, he's he's a super phenomenal. boy and he's gonna he's got a, a massive scar right down his chest and it's going to see him uh, yeah. well and truly through the decades. Big war wound. Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> sure that he's an adventurer and um, and a survivor. Mm. Just wanted to say a big thank you to the RFDS, um, you know, first responders, QAS, um, everyone there that um, was a part of the day. This story, while terrible it was, has a massive happy outcome. Yeah, it was it was it was phenomenal. So yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Josh. It's been absolutely wonderful um, to learn more about you and your family, and I'm really pleased that everything has has turned out okay for Jake, uh, the Superboy. <laughs> he probably won't like me <laughs> yeah, saying that. He's, he's phenomenal. <laughs> ah, he won't care. He probably will say, "Oh gosh." But look, feel the love. I, I certainly appreciate all that you and your family have been through and, and I wish you all the best. No worries at all. The Flying Doctor podcast was presented by me, Lana Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone who you think will love it too. Thank you for listening to The Flying Doctor podcast. Before I head off, I just want to thank one last time our sponsor and major national partner, Isuzu Ute Australia. Isuzu is committed to supporting the communities in which the RFDS operates, and this podcast would not be possible without their support. To learn more, search Isuzu Ute online.